playoffs are for winners. On the other side, we do have to deal with Ngakwe. <laughs> Ngakwe. You are listening to the Packers pregame podcast. And who better to pound the rock than AJ, the tree trunks Dylan? I don't, I don't, I don't have a good nickname for him. Answering the hardest question. Or should we just let this play out? Um, you know that's a good question. Fiery debates. It's Kyle. It's Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's better than Jair Alexander. Yep, he's better. Uh, unbiased opinion, I disagree. And finally, the hottest of takes from the greatest of truth tellers. All right, look around, pre-snap, where's number 20, where's number 20, there he is, that's where I'm going. You don't even have to make reads. This game is a chance for Mitchell Trubisky to turn the tide on his career in the next decade for the Chicago Bears. The question that everyone should have been, well, it shouldn't even have been a question, the statement that everyone should have been saying loud and clearly, yelling it from the rooftops from the mountaintops is, look what Aaron Rodgers has done in spite of Mike McCarthy. He has won in spite of the people above him and the people higher up in the organization. He has dragged this team through the mud. He has willed this team to win. We do not give him the credit that he deserves. Hello, and you are welcome for listening to the Packers pregame podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike. Was Desmond Bishop even good? Burns, and with me, as always, we have Bill. Joe Barry has flipped the switch. Kron's Noble, and your resident Bears fan, Jeremy, insert your favorite Justin Jefferson gif here, Macatelli, and we have a special guest today, ladies and gentlemen. We have Vikings fan, Luke, I think the Packers finishing 6-11 and 11 will be the main reason they missed the playoffs. Hanlon, all right, I'm going to start with Luke. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. The Packers, in my book, still have six wins. I don't count concussion wins as wins, so... Uh... I got to see like the last 10 minutes of that game. That's all to his fault. I feel bad for him at this point, but you know, I'm on to uh, bigger and better things. We got a big game tomorrow, so I'm ready to uh, redo it with you guys. What what a uh, an interesting experience of that football game just to turn it on for the last 10 minutes and be like, what is happening? What is going well, on? It was, it was doubly excruciating. I, of course, wanted the Packers to lose as a Christmas gift, get them out of the playoffs. Uh, I also had the over in that game, and I felt just personally assaulted by Tua. Um, but now <laughs> you know, I know better because he was concussed, so I, I just I just feel bad about the whole thing. Yeah. Germ, how are you holding up? Well, I think I replied to the group and said, I like the next day, I was like, I don't I don't care that that video came out showing he was concussed. He was terrible. I won't give him a pass. <laughs> <laughs> that was insanely terrible. Three Santa Claus Christmas gifts. Not one of those interceptions was oh, like even close or hard. <laughs> and it was, it was horrifying to watch. And Bill, uh, waking up early uh, in mountain time for all of our listeners uh, actually making it this week. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you know, I thought this is a, kind of an important game so I'd show up. Yeah, uh, kind you of know, important. All do, right. it for the, do it for the fans. So today we are going to do a recap of the Dolphins game. We will get into the game preview against the Minnesota Vikings. And well, again, Jeremy's going to help me with my fake betting. 
and then we're going to go through our favorite matchup to watch this week. We'll go through the theme of the week on Packers Twitter. We'll get the injury report from the captain, Bill. We'll go through what we're most afraid of. Jeremy will finish us up with the matchup stats, and we'll get into our game predictions. So, Morton Anderson, let's get into it. Brett Favre goes back to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter. All right. The Packers defeated the Miami Dolphins 26-20 on Christmas. As we've already mentioned, um, do do the Packers win if Tua doesn't get concussed? No. I don't think so either. <laughs> I, I don't think so either. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't those were gifts of interceptions. The which one of the interceptions was most shocking? Um, I'll just again as someone who only saw two of the three, uh, the last one once it's twenty six twenty and it's like all right, two can come in and really win this one. I had no confidence that he would do it. I didn't think it would be that bad though. So that was very shocking to me because you think he's going to be able to find Tyree Kill. That's what he does when Tyree Kill's open for a ten yard shallow cross and you just throw it to the exact opposite way. That one really. Was, was quite shocking, in my opinion. I kind of think the most infuriating one was where he just threw it when Raheem Mostert wasn't looking. Like, yeah. Come on, dude. What do you... Th- this that's, game's over. That was before it. he threw the third one. I'm like, this game's over. That's He's it for me is, is the Devondre Campbell interception because even if Tua throws it correctly, I think Adrian Amos is right there. Like, I don't know what was going on uh, other than, well, we do know it was the concussion. But the... Uh, that was the one where I was like, woof, something seems up. Bill, what was uh, the most shocking interception? Um, the most shocking, I think, was was the last one. I mean, that one was just, like, what is happening? Um, but I think my favorite was, I think it was the first one, the Jair one, because he got, I think someone on Twitter called it the, uh, the HaHa Clinton Big Special, where he's just <laughs> sitting there and happens to get the overthrow ball, but gets credited for the INT anyway. Speaking of uh, Ha Clinton Dix, uh, you know, happy retirement. Um, so my biggest observation from the game was that the Keyshawn Nixon thing has officially gotten into like the weird zone where it's one thing to be really good. It's another thing to be like the kick return yard leader after like four games. Like it, it, it's, it's where every time it happens, it's so unsustainable that you're shocked every time it happens. It's weird. There, there has to be some sort of regression at some point. Yeah, he, he got uh, he only took two kicks back because he got hurt, but he was still able to crack over 100 yards for the, I think sixth straight sixth straight game. It's unbelievable. Now, now is, is this a, a real indictment on Rich Bisaccia, or are we still in on uh, Pit Boss Rich? What, what's the relationship like there this season? Bill? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just, I was so blown away by Pit Boss Rich. I'd never even <laughs> thought of that as a potential nickname. <laughs> it's so good. It. Um, it's not a great look. Um, I think we've talked about this now, like, almost every week since. Um, and it's just like, yeah, how does um, uh, Amari Rogers, like, how did he get burned over this guy week in and week out? It just doesn't make sense. I think the bigger indictment on Rich Bisaccia was, I mean, I love, I am a big play 
NFL games like you would play Madden. So I was a huge fan of doing a fake punt, but it was so bad that the, the on the game, during the game, the TV broadcast was so shocked by it, you didn't even see them snap the ball to the to whatever you call that, like the mid-back. It was, they switched the camera over and he was getting tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That was probably the bigger indictment. It was so bad. At that point, you're like, oh my God, it's over. It's so over. When Jeremy, you fail on a big punt and you're already like down super bad, you just deserve to lose the game. The Vikings deserve to lose that Colts game. I'm sorry, but we had fun watching them win it, except for Mike. Well, and Bill. yeah, I mean, that one cost me money. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, well, fake money, remember. Um, the other thing that happened is this is – we'll talk about um, who the bigger frauds are, the Vikings or, or the Packers, because they're both fraudulent. But I think the most fraudulent thing that happened in that game was Jaron Reed, who if you were to divide his tackles for losses by the number of snaps he's gotten this year, you would need like – three zeros after the decimal place before you had an actual integer because I don't know how you can have that I think that one of the four of us if we played defensive line and just fell over every play would have more tackles for loss than Jaron Reed but all of a sudden with two minutes left in the second quarter he gets a strip on Raheem Mostert and then grabs the ball with a paw like a cat does from like under a couch like all of a sudden this oblong ball, he reaches out and he just pulls it in. And you're like, what What did I just see? It was the most shocking thing. So that, Jaron Reed, how the Packers, I did, they should not have won this game. It doesn't make any sense. Two had like three, or Tyree Ty- Kill and Jalen Waddle both had three catches for like over 80 yards and a touchdown in the first half. And it just felt like it should have been a 42 to like 24 abs- routing. Yeah. And then Tua hit his head and it was kind of like the game's over. Now, Jeremy, I feel like I have an important question for you. How many of those were classified as Packer turnovers? There were four well, total you know, turnovers. I'll have to consult, <laughs> I'll have to consult the uh, manifesto, but at least one of them. The, the fumble sounds like the most likely one. A concussed quarterback throwing bad interceptions. Um, I think it would have been the third one because that was a chance to go and take the lead. But at that point, like he was just broken in his head. So upon further review, the Packer turnover did not become that third interception. And Bill, yes, what was what, what your question? I was just going to say that first one came immediately after an Aaron Rodgers interception. You know? Yes, yeah. it did. So it was kind of like it didn't even count. And it for, was because... also like a Christmas day. I'm not totally watching every single second because I'm, you know, preoccupied with things I don't want to be preoccupied with, and I'd rather watch a football game. <laughs> so I, I didn't watch it all for sure. You know, the Packer turnover is very, um, it's very fine, fine line between a Packer turnover and a not. Really need to know game situation. I would call, it ambiguous. I would call it ambiguous. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, very- <laughs> I prefer the term esoteric yes. myself. So for because we have uh, three new listeners, um, I checked the numbers this morning, guys. We're up from 16 per podcast to 19. For the new listeners who don't understand what the Packer turnover is, neither do we. Um, no, one <laughs> has, no one has any idea what it is. But Jeremy is the one. He is, uh, he is the person over top, and he's the one that gets to decide what a Packer turnover is or isn't. We all think we have a grasp on what it is. 
but then we're shocked every time Jeremy does or does not call something a Packer turnover. But go ahead, Bill. Um, it, I just want to continue Jeremy's thought on how this kind of seemed like a game that should have been a blowout, and then it turns out it kind of just didn't become that. And that's because of uh, Joe Barry flipping the switch. <laughs> uh, I, I predicted it on the pod last week that Joe Barry would finally have the master class that we've all been waiting two years for. Did you see? And it happened. Did you see? Um, I can't remember who it was that said that uh, Joe Barry or our linebackers coach, Gray, whatever, Gray came in and was like screaming at halftime, and that's what really got them jacked up, was getting yelled at by coaches. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, I think it was their secondary coach or something like that. What they need to do is just go on Twitter at halftime, if that's what will get them pumped up. Like, they're, well, they're, oh, or, or they should have just been yelling at them every game. Well, true. Yeah, um, no, that, no, that makes sense. Uh, I, uh, Bill, how much of uh, Joe Barry's, uh, I would say, genius do you credit uh, him having his defense concussed to? Uh, do you think that was a coaching thing? Um, I think that was uh, – go ahead, Mike. You look like you ready. No, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, you look like you're ready to just hop right on that one. No, you um, made me laugh. I, I okay, sorry. Um, I, I obviously he didn't do it on purpose because this is not Sean Payton, and he would never bounty gate someone. But um, I think it was definitely you know uh, an unintended consequence of of Joe Barry flipping that switch, as as all of the uh, IMTs were as well. Those were directly credited to Joe Barry. Does Joe um, Barry teach the uh, ragdoll technique in practice? He knows the two is flimsy. Uh, yeah, that's certainly possible. Um, you just I just love run out there and everybody go practice, like, whipping him to the ground. Yeah, I also like how it was like, we need to tackle better than we've ever tackled before. And then Jair on that, I think it was the Jalen Water <laughs> catch on or whatever. Talk about like, that. Just came in like, <laughs> like he was launched out of a cannon sideways and just missed so bad i'm like who is that i thought it was like Russell douglas bush and i was like oh no as the years go on and he loses just tiny tiny bits of that athleticism and speed he's just going to become eddie jackson he's just not going to want to tackle anybody he's going to throw his whole body at somebody but like uh really light and he's just oh god i tried to tackle him and then he's just going to let up and he doesn't tackle already and it's funny to watch it was genuinely hilarious, though, how the the pregame press conference with Joe Barry was, we need to tackle like we've never tackled before. And in was it the second possession? Jalen Waddle catches just like a very normal in-route crosser, crosser. And he takes it 80 yards because we just couldn't tackle. It's like, oh, my <laughs> God. Um so to that point, also on the defensive end, I'm going to save my Jair Alexander take for uh, the theme of the week on Twitter. But um, so the Rudy Ford experiment was fun while it lasted, but that's over. Um, he's, Have we nailed down whether Rudy Ford and Jonathan Ford are different people yet? They are different people. And then the Packers tried out another Ford this week for the practice squad. So we are loading up on Fords. And uh, no, the Rudy Ford experiment... It was fun, but there was a reason he was never a starting safety in the NFL. It's because he's bad at it. Uh, not very good. Built Ford tough, Dano. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then the last... Oh, go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, you know who did get a little bit of playtime then? Savage, he came back. We're going to owe Savage like $7 million guaranteed next year, and he stinks. He's bad. 
<laughs> like he's just not good. Well, I I did read a quote that uh, a lot of it it seems to be like a mental thing for him, where like he tries to do to prove himself out there, and then it doesn't work, and then he gets in his own head about it. So he said, I think he said something about just keeping perspective, which again I think is all credit to Joe Barry on that. One. <laughs> he's really in his guys' heads with motivational techniques. Yeah. Um. So the last thing I want to talk about from this game is is I was not privy to the information about how terrible the Packers red zone offense has been. When they get goal to go, they get a touchdown 50% of the time. Yeah, That's Mike, did you see terrible. did you see or listen, you know in our segment with the Rams game where you were like this is a really weird match of everything we're good at like they're bad at against or like we're bad and they're bad at this it was just a ton of weird stuff they got in the red zone early in the game and i just heard it was monday right so yeah buck and aikman are like well you know the packers are really bad down here in the red zone they score just under 50 percent of the time and the rams are the worst on defense they give up a touchdown over 50 percent of the time it's crazy. and i think the packers got a field goal it's it's it is so weird that Nathaniel Hackett leaving made our red zone. Remember, like, go back in the Wayback Machine because it feels like so long ago when we called it the gold zone because we scored touchdowns on, like, 80% of our trips to the red zone. And now when we get within 10 yards, it's less than 50%. That's nuts. Um, I have this written down. I don't know how it's going to land, but do... The, the Packers red zone offense acts like the red zone is a stoplight. Like that's what the red means. Like stop. Hey, oh. Thank you. Jim Klein. Um, I feel like I have a, a possible reason why. And uh, his name is Devonte Adams. Cause he was open yeah. on every single like whip route in the end zone ever. So yeah. I think that might be a big reason. Yeah, that could be, he was uh, pretty good, I guess <laughs> he was pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. I feel like we were really overthinking that one. They just kind of had one guy who was just on a brain melt with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he could do anything he wanted. They didn't have to say any words. Like, we're running this play, but we're going to, you guys go over here, or you're going to go three wide to the right. Devontae's going to be over here, and I'm just going to kind of like look at him, and we're going to figure it out. He doesn't have a play. We're just going to figure it out. The, uh, the difference between the gold zone last year and what we're doing now is like when Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. We went from the gold zone to the fiat currency zone, am I right? Uh, Gus Farratt. I'm a primetime player. I came through when it counted and uh, got my second TV. I got one for my living room now and one for my bedroom. So okay. <laughs> Let's get on to the, to the game preview. The Green Bay Packers will be taking on the Minnesota Vikings at home at 325 God's time zone. Um, so I, the first bullet point we have here, and I'm gonna send this over to Germ because um, I made a note here that I wanted to bring something up. I forgot, uh, every season I forget, but when the Packers get on a nice little run or things start to be looking well, looking good, Jeremy, Jeremy gets a little bit chippy. We've got Chippy Jeremy. Jeremy, Jeremy, when the Packers were bad, was, you know, fun and jokes. And now all we've gotten in the group chat all week is just gifts of Justin Jefferson. Jeremy is officially Chippy. He is officially ready to throw out fighting words. So, Jeremy, I'm assuming you're the one that put Justin Jefferson here on the game preview. So I'm going to start with you. Go ahead. 
I'll only go so long because we did bring on our guest for a very specific reason. I'm going to kind of step back and let the man work. Um, but when the Packers do start to get good, and my team has three wins and is currently on their longest losing streak in team history, they've been around for 100 years, um, <laughs> I just sort of get a little bit defensive and I revert into my shell of just like, I just find a new bit. I've always, I've never run short of bits. And there's also no shortage of Justin Jefferson gifts. So I just send a new one every time because they're all gorgeous and they're all beautiful and he's amazing. Luke, let's, what do you have for me? T game preview, Justin Jefferson, work with that. Well, I'll start by saying this. I don't know if I've ever loved a man as much as I love Justin Jefferson. I mean, <laughs> Randy Moss, you know, like the gold standard, but I mean, it's been a goddamn blessing having uh, Justin Jefferson uh, play on my football team. And, you know, week one was very interesting because I came into that week knowing if the Vikings lost that game, the Packers would have won the North. And if the Vikings won, I felt like they'd have a legit shot to win the North, which of course they've gone on and done. Uh, and the whole time I was a little bit, I was trying to, you know, get some confidence up. Jeremy seemed very confident in the game that the Vikings win. We watched that one together at his house. And on the very first drive, it was just feed Justin Jefferson, fourth and goal. They get him the ball and he scores. And I, I've just never felt more confident to win after that, especially after the, the Christian Watson drop, which was beautiful. Um, <laughs> so going into this game again, you know, run the table, relax. All the, the ghosts start coming up of, of this, this guy who just has – you know, bullied me for almost 20 years. And I got to say, I'm not scared because I have Justin Jefferson. He's the best player in the NFL. He He's is the only man we can trust. He, he is carrying me to a fantasy championship as he is for you, as uh, Jeremy. And I I want one-on-one -on -one with Jair Alexander all game long. No safety help. Let's put your money where your mouth is. You said week one was a fluke because Joe Barry's an idiot. Now apparently Joe Barry's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> he slipped the switch. Yes. <laughs> Put some man coverage and let's let's see what actually happens because I know what's going to happen and it's not going to look good for Jair Alexander if that if I, that happens. I agree. Um, so I have I have actually two questions. Um, I'm going to have Bill answer the first one and then I'm going to have Jeremy and Luke answer the second one. Um, well, I guess we can all answer the first one, but like for real, who who are the the bigger the bigger frauds? Because the the Packers this this five game winning streak has been. Um, a little bit fraudulent, maybe more than a little bit. The The Dolphins game was obviously very fraudulent. They went down two scores to the Bears and came back and won. Um, they beat the... That's Walmart. They, they beat the... <laughs> the they, they beat the Baker Mayfield Rams at home. Like, I... It's just... This is not, like, a win streak. That gives me a lot of confidence. I still think we're pretty fraudulent. And at the same time, what the Vikings have done this year is super weird and they're a little bit fraudulent. So who's the bigger fraud bill, the Packers or the Vikings? Um, I, I guess I don't really see the Packers as a fraudulent team. I just, I, I mean, I guess you could say the win streak is kind of fraudulent or they're just, I guess I would use kind of maybe more fluky than that. But like the Vikings being... 11 and 0 in one score games is absolutely insane and like just bothers me so goddamn much <laughs> it's so annoying because you just know this team it's every time it's like all right it's like especially like the colts game like it was like oh look they're actually gonna get blown out and then they start to come back and you're like how the hell are they gonna pull this one out of their ass by one score because it's just it doesn't make sense to me 
Um, but also, I, I think it's funny that you said that, uh, Luke, that Aaron Rodgers has scared you for like 20 years because I believe the Vikings have the best record against Aaron Rodgers. Um, and it's out of the NFC North, and it's not even close. Yeah. Well, you're comparing that to the Bears and the Lions. That's not really that fair. But... <laughs> well, I know. I, I have vocalized this in the past, which is the Vikings are the only other team that's really put up a fight and actually had good rosters for most of the decade. So that's kind of why. And yeah, it is the Bears and the Lions. But they they don't they not only have the best record against the Packers ahead of the Bears and the Lions because they're so terrible. It's like a good record because the Vikings actually have I don't know what it is. They don't seem to get duped by like the Aaron Rodgers bullshit as much as the Bears and the Lions do. Aaron Rodgers almost plays down to his competition a bunch when he plays the Lions and still just like squeaks out wins, which is super frustrating. But the Vikings actually take it to the Packers more than any other team and that's what I've really started to like about them as I've grown older in my late 20s. So Luke, bigger fraud. You know, I saw this this question uh, proposed in the doc, and at first I thought it would be kind of hard to answer either way, but at, w- once I gave it about a couple minutes thought, I think it's a very easy answer. The Vikings are by far the bigger fraud because the Packers aren't frauds. They suck. They're bad football. <laughs> you can't be frauds when, you know, you, like fraudulent means you're playing well and you might be good, but you're really bad. I mean, the Packers are just, they're just bad. We, we know <laughs> that. I thought Bill was going to go. That's now, now the Vikings, I'll be the first to admit the Vikings are huge frauds. Uh, the playoffs, I don't think are going to go well. I hope they can play, you know, the Commies or the Giants in 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 the wild card round. I think they could win that. But I mean, there's, they're not getting past the divisional round. I've already accepted it. Greg Joseph will miss an extra point and and kill me. It's fine. Oh, no. I already know this is going to go poorly. So like, I'm accepting that they're frauds. I'm just enjoying 12 wins. It's been a great season. Jeremy, right, but hey, fraud. What's the beauty. Of- Oh, yeah. I mean, Luke put it perfectly. It's the Vikings, but I wouldn't even call them frauds. I'm going to get my little take out here that, you know, maybe 7-1, and one, maybe 8-0 and oh in one-score games is fraudulent and fluky. Come on, guys. 11-0. and oh, At some point, it's just they know what they're doing down there in the fourth quarter. Yes. <laughs> uh, this this kind of goes back to the, uh, the original point, which is they know what they're doing because whenever it's tied or they're down, they just slow the ball to Justin Jefferson, and it works pretty much every time. Yeah. Like the Giants game. <laughs> Once, once Saquon scored, it's like, what, they had 50 or like 40 seconds? I'm like, well, that's enough time for Justin Jefferson to get down the field. And he almost scored on that last play. He wasn't tackled, and they get the field goal, and they win. So that's, that works. Yeah, it is. Well, isn't, isn't that the Vikings offense is just like kind of dick around for like the first two and a half, three quarters, and then in the first quarter, you go, oh, shit. Well, we got to pull this one out of our ass again. Where's Justin Jefferson at? Jeremy can attest to this. I think at least once a game, I text him and I text my dad and brother and saying, oh, this is the time of the game where Kirk forgot that he has Justin Jefferson. And for a while, it really pissed me off. But I do think there's actually a master plan here where they just don't want to overwork him. Because it's like, it'd be boring if he had 20 catches and 300 yards every game. And then he probably gets injured because he gets leveled over the, the middle of the field at least once a game. So it's like... First quarter, we'll get you on the opening drive. You'll you'll do your thing, and then we'll really save you for like the last five minutes. That's when we need you, bud. So Kirk loves to throw behind KJ Osborne on third and five in <laughs> the middle of the second quarter. Oh yeah, <laughs> loves to do that. Um. So Luke, I I was really interested about this. I know I think we had a Twitter back and forth about this when the Vikings fired Mike Zimmer because I I've always thought that Mike Zimmer was a really good coach. Um, but I mean, how much of the, of the drop off of the Vikings defense, because from what I've been reading on Twitter, the Vikings defense is not good. So is it, 
what is the drop off? Mike Zimmer leaving, or is it players getting older, or is it la- like le- a less talented defense? What what's happening on the defensive side of the ball? Um, you know, I've always been a defense is about dudes guy. I just don't think they have the dudes. Um, Harrison Smith, even at his age, is is pretty good. He's not consistent anymore, but he still makes plays. Patrick Peterson is not washed uh, as much as people want to say it. He's he's had a solid season, but again, we'll get we'll get burned here and there. Um, the weirdest thing is seeing like, and, and I know this will probably play right into Jeremy, but like Pro Football Focus has Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith as like two of the top ten pressure rates in yeah. the NFL, and Zadarius has had a good season. I, you watch a Vikings game, I don't see Daniel Hunter doing anything, but every once in a while he'll make one to two plays, but he really should be like in his prime, and just neck injuries have ruined him, and back injuries have kind of ruined him. Um, so I definitely think it's just there's no defensive mind that would come in and like say what's happening here. I do think Ed Downtel is doing a very poor job uh, just with his lack of blitzing, but even that's kind of gotten a little bit better these last couple of weeks. Um, overall, I just don't think there's much you can do with this defense. You know, they had the 12th pick, could have gotten Kyle Hamilton or some other defensive guy there, and they just take Lewis Seen and, and he breaks his leg. And like, they just have no depth at all. They have no youth coming in this team. I think Brian Asamoa got a strip like last week, and that was like the first play he's made as a rookie. So they're really relying on just like old, expensive players. And I, I do have a lot of worry, like even as soon as next year, how bad this roster could get. But uh, as of right now, they're just they're just doing enough to win games with with big plays out of Smith and Peterson and guys like that. To tie in kind of the last two questions, they are they're they sort of bend don't break, and they're getting a little lucky with just getting plays from some of these cast-offs from other teams, too. They they, they have their guys, but they're getting pl- big plays down the stretch from uh, Packers legend Chandon Sullivan and Bears <laughs> legend Duke Shelley. Just out of nowhere, when they need them most, pass breakups from guys that were on practice squads and kicked off of Nor- NFC North rivals. And they're just... They're playing bent-don't-break defense for 18 games. It's really kind of funny to watch because they don't do anything for so long and then it's just well time to make a play i suppose Luke. yeah that's, I'll, I'll, i'm sorry to cut you off but like if there's anything that's really fraudulent about this team i would say it's the defense because the offense again like they have really elite players at like multiple levels with cook and jefferson and hawkinson now but the defense is the one that they probably relied the most on buck like the jets game is a perfect example where like Barrios just drops a touchdown at the end. Like Mike White gets pressured once and throws a bad pick at the end. Like they've just made plays here and there that makes no sense. The Bills game is another one, but they they have like a forty point blowout written all over them in the playoffs, and the Niners just run down their throat. So I have I have two things actually. I'm I'm really glad you brought up Hawkinson because the Lions are never on TV. Did anyone else learn how much Hawkinson looks like a mouse? <laughs> I mean, he straight up uh, looks like a mouse. I know what he looks like. As, as, a, as a Golden Gopher fan, I watched uh, a lot of Big Ten West football, and I, I saw him throughout college, and he kind of just looked normal back then without the long hair. It's something about the hair has really, like, accentuated the, the roundness of his face. I don't yeah, know what it is. facial hair, too. He's got, like, kind of unkempt, nasty facial hair and the big, long hair. He's just kind of, like, the Vikings' next big country. Is, I don't know what he does he in his is. off time, but I bet you he goes hunting. He's the perfect... <laughs> The perfect Viking tight end. I yes, mean, just he's got the look down for sure. So my my uh, last question, and then we'll move on to to the people's favorite segment, which is Jeremy helping me with my fake betting. But um, Luke can definitely assist. Yeah, Luke, I'll probably need your help too. So um, 
the Zadarius Smith experience is fun, isn't it? Uh, it is, and I actually before we move on, I you know, and we'll get more into Jair Alexander. So maybe I should I should save this, and we I'll just at least bring up the uh, the topic right now. Um, I started thinking about my least five or my least favorite, oh, top five least favorite Packers of all time. Ooh! And uh, I'll start with some honorable mentions, and then maybe we can get to the list once we get to uh, Jair. Oh, I Zadarius uh, Smith would have been on the list if it wasn't for this season. I absolutely hated him. Um, I thought Same. the snub celebration was one of the lamest celebrations in the history of football. Um, <laughs> almost stupid. I get there is incentives for the players, so maybe I'm being too harsh. But I just could not stand the man. He always dominated the Vikings. And, uh, you know, that was when I really officially... There's I, I still have a lot of issues with Kwesi, but, you know, to jump in and steal Zadarius Smith, who I get there with injury concerns, but, man, he's he's been a, a blessing. Just a blessing. I have something to add to the always played well against the Vikings thing, which is now coming back around on them. Let's talk about revenge games, shall we? <laughs> this man is one of the only people that actually seems to care about them, and performs very well week one he was a menace menace yeah he was really the darius good. smith or and it goes with the snub thing he's a very he's very mindful about some things and he takes them to heart he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he plays revenge games like no other and i kind of like it still don't uh, like him yeah. back, so uh, i'm pretty sure good. after he signed with the vikings in the offseason he tweeted out me at the quarterback and him and daniel were talking all about that so that week one matchup was really hyped up and that's when we're like oh great like in the second quarter he's gonna do something to his neck and it's like I, I was just all the bad vibes were coming to me and he absolutely dominated that game and it was amazing all right um ontario smith Jermaine wiggins do you really need two i mean can i have one if you come over and watch some movies with me all right, we are moving on to the people's favorite segment. It is Jeremy helping me with my betting, and now with, uh, uh, we'll call it the Jeremy helping me with my fake betting featuring Luke this week. Um, so I'm going to go through uh, my losses last week. I went uh, one in five. Yeah, one in five. Um, my only win was the Giants uh, plus three and a half. Uh, so the hook helped me. Um, did you add? Um, sorry, I had to jump in. Did you add Steelers minus two, like I told you? I did. You sent yeah. me ten bets on a sheet. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I did. Um, so here are the losers from last week: Detroit minus two, Seattle plus ten, the Titans minus three, the Commies plus six and a half, and the Eagles plus four and a half. So, so Jeremy, Luke, where where did I go wrong last week? What happened? Um. I'd say to start uh, betting on Taylor Heineke against the best team in the NFL. I get, I get, you know, six and a half is a lot of points, but that was a game that uh, me and Jeremy actually had the Niners in a tease to finish off a five-teamer. I think the only tease we've won all season, so that's not a brag. We suck. It's a big win. needed it bad, uh, and that was one where it was close for a while, but you just kind of knew watching that game eventually. This, the strength and the depth and just the all-out talent of the Niners would eventually win through. Um, so that that's the one that stands out to me. I love Seahawks plus ten. That game was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> now you know where you went wrong, Mike, and you know exactly where I'm going. Please stop betting on Texans games, especially <laughs> when the Titans are involved. Don't bet on the Titans to win games, and don't bet on Texans games. This is Personally, like three weeks now. I would say more specifically, don't bet on Malik Willis because that was rough. <laughs> yeah, um, the Titans have been 
the bane of my existence all year. I don't think I've gotten. They don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, they don't. You're so right. They don't have to be. I cannot stay away from Texans games, but this week I went through a couple of games and I stayed away from the Texans game because I actually it wasn't because the advice that was given to me by Jeremy to stay away from Tex- the Texans games. I just cannot. I cannot stop the Texans, but I kept them off of my list because just being straight with you, the line didn't look good. Here's what I got. Um, Jeremy, I'm taking your advice here on the first one um, because I'm taking the Panthers plus four at Tampa. And why am I doing that, Jeremy? Because the Bucks stink. The Bucks stink. Somebody so, had to say it. Is that is that okay? Is that an okay? <laughs> is that an okay fake bet there? Well, yeah, I think I think we all might like the Panthers here, especially getting points. Last week, I had Lions minus two as well, and the Panthers just bodied them all game long. The Buccaneers like played Panthers. I hate Luke. I cannot believe we're in a place where we've been shitting on them for weeks. Our boy BS has been on them to make the playoffs for six, seven weeks. Idiot, idiot, idiot all season. They're still bad, but the Panthers are frisky, and they might actually make the play. I could make the playoffs. The NFC South just depresses me. I, I hate that one of these teams is going to host a playoff game. Um, the Bucks are, they're terrorists. They they play the most <laughs> boring brand of football for 58 minutes, and then we get the, and I'm a Tom Brady guy, but I'm I'm so sick of, like the Saints game was the perfect one where they get the two touchdowns late, and it's Troy Aikman like, oh, well, you're Tom Brady, you just can't count the guy out. It's like, maybe the Saints just suck too, okay? Why do we have to praise him and not talk about how stupid Dennis Allen and Mark Ingram are? I, I'm sick of him, sick of him. I'm here. I feel you. Okay, so that that's a good one. Okay. Um, the uh, while I also can't quit the Texans, I can't quit the Commanders. Uh, I've got the Commies minus two at home against the Browns. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. That's even worse to do. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I promise you, this game does not need to be looked at or touched. I promise you. The, if the yeah, if was... the Commanders lose, the Packers have a better chance of making the playoffs. You want you want nothing to do with that game. That is why I'm betting that game because I am such a mush. Oh, it's the reverse. It's the reverse mush. I'm gonna bet the Commies. I'm thinking about taking the Commies money line just because I can guarantee myself a lost bet and a win for the Packers playoff hopes until they get beat by the Vikings. And so I want to live in that world. So that's why I'm thinking about taking the Commies. Now, Mike, does it scare you at all that Kevin Stefanski was on the Viking staff for over 15 years and he might just play double agent and, and lose on purpose? I, I, everything scares me. So I think the answer <laughs> to that is yes. How do you feel about your reverse jinx potentially benefiting Deshaun Watson? You've put me in a spot here. I'm going to go to my moral agent. Bill, how should I feel about that? Uh, not Thank good. you. I appreciate that. All right, my third <laughs> bet. I, I love points. Everyone knows I love points. The Bears plus six at Detroit. Love that bet. Love it. How do you guys feel? I steered you wrong last week. They got housed by the Bills in the late third quarter and fourth quarter, and that bet lost. But I'm feeling it again. Let's get Justin Fields indoors on the fast turf, and let's see if he can make some magic. Uh, my simple analysis of this one would be the Lions are not the Bills. Uh, the Bears really did, the Bears fought in that game for a long time. The final score was not kind to them. The Bears are like tanking experts at this point. Where they I, think play, Luke Getzky, I think Luke Getzey is the actual sleeper agent on that team. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't quite get it. The roster is absolute garbage, but they fight for about three quarters and then do just enough to really stupid plays to lose on purpose. Uh, but they keep it close, and the Lions, I mean, you can't trust the Lions when they need a win. So I, I like that one. All right, um, two more games. Uh, this one just screams to me free money. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, but the Patriots minus two and a half versus a Miami team without Tua seems like free money. I, I'll, I'll step like in. input on that one. Yeah, I'll step in right here. Uh, the Vikings, of course, played the Dolphins this season when Tua was out. The starter was Skylar Thompson because apparently he had a full week of practice while Teddy was still recovering. If Skylar, if Skylar Thompson was starting, I'd be a little bit scared because he looked good. And granted, that's probably just the Vikings' bad pass defense that makes everyone look good. But uh, Teddy came in and it was it was rough. Um, I love Teddy, always will, Viking for life. But man, he um, he's not very good. So I think this one should be decent, but also like the Patriots, man, they've, they've kind of... They stink too. They're really bad. That's a really tough game because the Patriots, I don't care about this Belichick AFC East stuff. They are so bad. Yeah, this this one would be another one I'd like to stay away from, but you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk you out of it. Alright. And then <laughs> is bad, so that's that's good for you. Um as always, I'm gonna have a big point uh game here. I want Denver plus thirteen. Nathaniel Hackett's gone. Russ can cook, I guess. I don't know. But 13 points seems like a lot. Jeremy, stop shaking your head. You know I love points. I want Denver plus 13 at Kansas City. I still think my favorite was trying to steer you away from teasing the Texans down to like 14 points against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs dominated them on every single possible way, stats on the field and everything. And it went to overtime because football. Because of Lovey Smith. Yes. <laughs> Turnover. Um, this this uh, I, I have a question for for the two Packers fans here. What what was what was the Nathaniel Hackett experience like for you, for this yeah, this season for you guys? Like, were you rooting for him? Was it like kind of tough to watch him be this bad? Um, are you happy he failed somewhere else? What, what was that like, Michael? Start with you. Um, no, I wasn't happy he failed. The only thing that makes me happy is for the that fraud organization in Denver. Like they that organization is so poorly run, but because they won a Super Bowl with. Peyton Manning like it all gets washed away and so they brought over Nathaniel Hackett pretty much to try to lure Aaron Rodgers there and it didn't work and so they decided it was I was more happy to see Russell Wilson fail than to see Nathaniel Hackett I actually feel bad for Nathaniel Hackett because it's very obvious he was not meant to be a head coach yet and now he'll never get another opportunity no one will ever hire that man so um, did you did you guys know that the Broncos have missed the playoffs all seven years since winning that Super Bowl? They're they're frauds. It's a terrible organization. And so, no, I feel bad for Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I don't I, I didn't want to see him fail, but it, I also am not sad to see the, the Broncos and specifically Russell Wilson just crap their pants like that. Bill, what about you? Well, I'm sorry, it's a bad. That's a fine, That's a fine. What happened? Um, well, Mike, I wanted to put your mind at ease. You're saying the Broncos are a terrible organization. They're very poorly run. Well, thankfully, they've been bought by Walmart. Uh, so we all know Walmart, great company, uh, and always does right by their employees. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, um, I wasn't rooting for or against Nathaniel Hackett. I was kind of indifferent. But yeah, it was very obvious after like week one where he was like, I don't know how to manage the clock. Let's try for the 65-yard field goal to end the game. And then the look on his face when it didn't work was just like, oh, this guy is it's so far over his head. He has absolutely no clue what to do. And it just got worse from there. And also, Russell Wilson turning into a pumpkin didn't help. Because what the hell is that about? Uh, all right, Mitch Berger. Did you just listen to the question I just answered? Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Hundley, two years invested in Joe Callahan. The quarterback room is exactly where it needs to be. Let's move on to our favorite matchup of the week. Uh, I am going to start with you, Bill. I'm going to go right back to you. What's your favorite matchup of the week to watch? Uh, with the Packers at uh, home against the Vikings, 325, God's time zone on Sunday. Um, is that still minus three and a half Packers? Last I checked, it was three. Okay, that sounds fine. Um, o- uh, Packers O-line versus the Vikings D-line. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll look ahead for the injury report, but uh, we're getting a we're getting a key member back. So I'm looking forward to see what the mainly healthy O-line can do against, uh, you know, like Big Z and uh, Daniel Hunter and kind of the, the, the Vikings. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but their D-line is probably the strength of that of the defense? I guess if you'd have to pick a strength, it would be that. It's the level of three evils. I'll put both your, your minds at ease here. We know the shield, as I'm, I'm repping here. The NFL absolutely wants the Packers in the playoffs. They want Aaron Rodgers with those ratings. We're getting a 325 primetime CBS game. The refs are not going to call holding once in this Packers offensive line, as they never do. But in Lambeau Field on New Year's Day, with the Packers playoff lives on the line, I mean, Zadarius Smith is going to get held every single play. Is Bakhtiari playing? Because I feel like he's gotten away with about a thousand holes against the Vikings over his life. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, yes. that was my tease. Sorry, That's what we needed him here for. This is the this is the mix-up we needed. The Shield versus the Vikings and getting this the Packers easy. in the playoffs. What a what an off. Perfect matchup on and off the field. Jeremy Paul Allen might have, might have a stroke at Lambeau calling this game. J- uh, Jeremy, what's your your favorite matchup to watch? What's your favorite matchup to watch? It was kind of discussed earlier, but uh, it's not exactly a matchup. It's kind of a when they're both on the field separately matchup. I just want to see Ed Donatel versus Joe Barry. Let's see what <laughs> the boys got cooked up for today. <laughs> and Luke, what's your favorite matchup? Justin Jefferson against Jair Alexander. That's all I. That's all I care about this entire. Whenever the Packers' offense is on the field, I mean, of course I'll be watching, but I'll, I'll be tuned in when the Vikings are on the field because that's that's when the fireworks are going to happen in this one. Um, I, I already talked about how you know they saved Justin for the fourth quarter. I hope Kirk throws him thirty times in this game. That wouldn't even be enough. <laughs> Every time, I I agree. Let's get I, to two thousand yards today, Bill. Uh, I actually would like to go ahead and change mine. Um, I'm really, I'm, I want, I, I need this more than I need oxygen. Just thinking about it gives me life. I need Paul Allen versus a late game-winning field goal from Make Crosby. <laughs> That's not something that I'm looking forward to because I just, I, I need the, I need the call, I need the video, I need a heart rate monitor, I need everything I can get. I can't consume enough Paul Allen content 
in situations like that. I, we have not spent it. We just spent zero time, which is a, a crime on the Paul Allen video that was circulating after the Colts game where he just, they just kept going like <laughs> the punter for the Colts are like, he's <laughs> terrible. Why? Well, I, I was even on a football field. Like I, it was so good. It got past the point where he was like making fun of him to the point where it sounded like he had a personal vendetta against him. Like, <laughs> Colts punter again. Oh God, he stinks. How is he in the league? It's yeah. just like, calm down, dude. Paul, what is, what is what's your problem? I think that I'm, I'm going to misquote him here, but I think my favorite one was like, he, it was like an assumed that everyone had been listening to the game this, like thus far. And the Colts punter punts when it goes like 40 yards and Paul Allen goes, yeah, and the net total for that punt is 40 yards because the Colts punter stinks. Like, this is so good. <laughs> um, Stephon Gilmore with a nasty hit on Justin Jefferson. He should be thrown out of this game. Oh, so good. Um, all right, my favorite matchup uh, to watch is um, Winter A.J. Dillon and the cold versus the Vikings defense because every year A.J. Dillon starts out the year and he stinks, and it's like, man, you you would assume that that body type and that running style is not going to last. It makes sense. Like, he's probably not as good as he used to be. And then the temperature dips below 32 degrees, and he turns into a poor man's version of Derrick Henry, where he just, like, he can't, he doesn't fall backwards. Like, he is the epitome of falling forward. So I'm excited to see him play. Yeah, as, as someone who has uh, A.J. Dillon in a fantasy championship this week, I'll call a truce. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fine if he scores a touchdown. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for this man just because I'm, I'm afraid he could literally kill me with his bare hands. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alan Page. Oh, was that, was that my cue? No, it was know. everyone's cue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fun right. fact, uh, one of only two defensive players ever won MVP in the NFL. It's not enough, but Alan Page, goddamn legend. All right, let's move on to the theme of the week. All right, so the theme of the week this week on Packers Twitter was Jair Alexander and his post-game interview with, uh, I can't remember who the interviewer was, um, but it was a lot of fun. And him talking, what did he say? That Justin Jefferson doesn't wake up and put on a Superman suit. And Jair said, neither do I, except sometimes. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> That is, that's been the matchup between Justin Jefferson and Jair Alexander has been the theme of the week on Twitter. I actually, before anyone says anything, let's get Luke's top five. I want your top five. Okay, Jeremy, do you want to cue me up for this one? Uh, just, just give me a little, the numbers at least each time. Yeah, do you have an OLI? I'm sorry, what? Outside looking in. Oh, oh, I, I don't know the bit that well, but um, <laughs> and just to prime the audience, this is my top five least favorite Packers of all time. Top five least favorite Packers of all time, according to Vikings fan Luke Hanlon. Number five. Now, I didn't fact check this, but I'm very confident he did play for the Packers. No, I don't remember how long. Number five is Jared Aberderis. Um can, can the Packers fan tell, how long was he actually on the team? I don't remember. About two seasons. Yeah, two or okay, three years. Um, and then, really, he was mostly on the bench because he was hurt all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, this really traces back to the Badger days. So I had to at least get one one Badger in there. I, I despised this man when he was in college. Uh, 
my freshman year at the University of Minnesota, they played um, Not to at the U. And um, I, that's the drunkest I've ever been in a football game. And I said some unruly things to Jared Aberderis that day. Uh, I don't think he heard them, which is probably for the best. It was very, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, what Aberderis? <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Number four. Um, this one's really hypocritical because I love guys now like Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson, but Ty Montgomery. Uh, 88 <laughs> is not a running back number. It's just not. You're not allowed to wear 88 if you're running back. Fraud. I hated him. Hated him. Well, good news. Uh, you have a lot of those people. Uh, he, he'd probably make a lot of Packers fans list too. So. Yeah, he, he makes okay. my list. Yes. All number right, three, Jeremy. most hated Packer of all time. Number three, the man of the hour, Jair Alexander. Whoa. This guy... This guy talks like he's Deion Sanders in his prime, like he's Mel Blunt before you were allowed to, or when illegal contact was allowed, and he never has given up a touchdown in his life. Like he intercepts every pass that's ever been thrown to him. He's the guy that'll celebrate when a pass is overthrown, even though he had nothing to do with it. If a receiver drops one when he's in coverage, he'll celebrate. I hate this man. I hate <laughs> he him. Is climbing, Jeremy he is climbing my list. Now, that you're actually, talking about are the Vikings the biggest frauds, the Packers the... the biggest frauds, Jair Alexander. I get you. That was I, I had that written down for the, the recap of the Dolphins game, which was like Jair Alexander is the guy that you hate when he's not on your team. Like I'm glad that I hate him. Signed him. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Uh number two, Darren Sharp for obvious reasons, even though he played with the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. And the number one most hated Packer of all time is Absolutely, of Aaron Rodgers, the lying about the vaccine, constant bitching about the situation he's in, even though he's on one of the best-run organizations in football. Cannot stand him. Absolute diva. And you know what? My I think my greatest take of all time is the reason why Tom Brady is the GOAT and Aaron Rodgers is not is because Tom Brady, up until recently, was able to keep a woman and have a nice married life at home and he could focus on the game. Aaron Rodgers out here chasing celebrities that they all... Clearly all hated him. He's a terrible boyfriend, terrible person. Hate him. Easy number one. Love it. Love it. Okay. So I agree. Um, let's focus on <laughs> let, let's spend a, a couple minutes on uh, your number three from your list, Jair Alexander versus Justin Jefferson. Um, so I, I don't know. Will okay, hey, uh, Bill is the Joe Barry flip the switch guy. So Correct. in the first matchup. They did not let Jair Alexander follow Justin Jefferson. We just played zone and got eaten alive by crossers. So with Joe Barry officially flipping the switch, Bill, are, are we going to see Jair Alexander follow Justin Jefferson around? I think so. I think that would be, I think at this point in the season, I think that's kind of your best game plan. And I think that's, uh, I think that's exactly what Joe Barry will do in another masterclass. <laughs> You guys remember in week one when Justin Jefferson ran an out route against Preston Smith? Yes. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Great. Good news. You're, you're still going to get at least one more of those. <laughs> so um, should should the Packers want Jair Alexander to follow Justin Jefferson around? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, you know, put your, put your best guy on their best guy. You know, especially if he's going to be, uh, if he's going to be talking all the smack, you know, give him the chance to back it up. 
And uh, I would just like. I'd like to correct one thing that Jair said. Um, Justin Jefferson does put on a super suit every Sunday. Like, that's just a fact. <laughs> he is a superhero. I don't know what where, where that came from. It's uncalled for. Nine flukes for 184 flukes and two flukes. Week one. Ontario Smith. Blair Walsh from 27 yards left hash. Snap good. Spot down. Walsh's kick is up. And it is no good. He missed it. Are you kidding me? All right, let's jump in to the injury report. Bill, are you ready to hit us with the injury report? Update us on who will be playing and who won't be playing. Go. Yes. Uh, well, good news. This is actually a very pretty, um, I almost said limited injury report. That was a nice pun there, but just <laughs> called short. Uh, so... Starting off with the Packers, of course, uh, sorry, Mercedes Lewis was a full participation. Um, Yash Nyman, full participation. Aaron Rodgers was full participation, where he had, I guess, a knee coming into the week that got banged up, uh, but he'll be good to go. And of course, he's going to play anyway. Um, Keyshawn Nixon is questionable, and Christian Watson are, is also questionable, which are both kind of. Uh, not what you're looking forward to because how good they are. Um, so that one is tough. I think they're going to be game time decisions. Uh, moving on to the Vikings, very short. Garrett Bradbury is out with back, and James Lynch is out with shoulder. You didn't say uh, you didn't say anything about David Bakhtiari. Well, I mentioned him before, so that's why I didn't bring him up a second time. I did not want to relitigate, as they say. Is that who sa- who says that? Who said what? Re, who says relitigate? I said it. Oh, okay. I, um, someone, someone. Just, thanks for ruining my segment, Mike. <laughs> someone, someone. I'm gonna be. Uh, even though he would probably roast the secondary with the speed, I'm gonna be really sad if Christian Watson's out. I'd love to see another huge drop because I know it's. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yeah. At some point, we're gonna have the Christian Watson conversation. Um. Which is what? He's not that good. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, why don't you hit us with the name? Antoine Winfield. All right, let's. Santoshenko. Let's. Ooh, that's so good. Off the list. Then don't ask it, Lance. All right, let's jump wow. in, Jeremy. If you're ready, I want to jump right in to our favorite. Oh no! Oh no! I'm panicking. I forgot that YouTube has ads. Okay, hold on. I need to filibuster here. We are going to have Jeremy give us the matchup stats, as he always does. This one may be littered. It's a bigger series than what we've had in the last three weeks. Jeremy, hit us with the matchup stats. I'm going to let Luke help me out here if I need it. The Vikings and the Packers, division rivals. The Green Bay Packers lead the all-time series, 64-57, to 57, and three ties. The very first meeting came on October 22nd of 1961, the very first year the Vikings were in existence, and the Packers routed the new franchise 33-7. to 7. 
The Packers won nine of their first 10 games against the newly formed Minnesota Vikings. But then, sort of came around for the Vikings a little bit. From 1975 to 1979, the Packers were winless in nine straight against the Vikings, including one tie in 1978 at 10-10. They have played in the playoffs two times. It is one-to-one, and I'm going to enlist Luke here to talk a little bit about January 9th, 2005. The Randy Moss disgusting act game, 31-17 to in the wild card round. Uh, you know, there have been better Vikings wins in my lifetime than the Atlas Miracle, of course, being number one. But I, I don't think I've ever, there's never been a funnier Vikings win in my lifetime than Randy Moss mooning the crowd and Joe Buck dying in, in the broadcast booth because of how just disgusting it was. Uh, Randy Moss, just is my favorite, my favorite. Uh, I will, and you, you'll get to the next playoff game here, but that was just, that was heavy. Brett Favre had four interceptions in this game. Four of them. He was very bad. It was a very classic Brett Favre loss. Randy Moss had two touchdowns, the second of which was the dagger that he mooned the crowd with. And on the call that day was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, as usual, and special guest Chris Collinsworth. Wow. What a ball game. Uh, you know, Al, you just can't be showing your butt to the crowd, Al. It's just, you know, you hate to see that. <laughs> That's you a really great good limit of space. He puts the hand up and Dante Culpepper just throws him that football. The next meeting in the playoffs came on January 5th, 2013. A not-so-fun matchup. Packers dominate 24-10. Joe Webb, the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, was 11-30 for 30 for 180 yards. Luke, please elaborate. Now, I, I want to start this just like I started the episode saying concussion wins don't count when you can the team's quarterback and they still play. Beating Joe Webb is not counted as a quarterback. That was a buy for the Packers. That was unfair. Christian Ponder starts. They still lose, but it would have been a fun game. To be fair, I remember being absolutely terrified before the game started of Joe Webb. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm like, this is going to be so classic. Um, yeah, you know, I remember Tony Dungy pregame predicted the Vikings would win. The only guy in the group, the Minnesota guy, uh, I knew. I knew from the start. Joe Webb was bad. All right. And their most recent meeting was week one, which we've discussed. September 11th, 2022, the Vikings dominate the Packers. 23-7. to seven. Justin Jefferson goes off. Two touchdowns. Christian Watson drops the Packers' season from the first play. And I'd like to get into some notables here. As we discussed, the Vikings have been the only team to really corral the Packers as much as they could. Brett Farbera, he was 17-14 and 14 versus the Vikings. It was pretty back and forth for most of it until he ended with about a three-game win streak to put him over 500. The Aaron Rodgers era... He is 16 and 11 and 1 versus the Vikings all time. And in the Rodgers era, they have won the division 8 of 15 seasons. And of those seven years that the Packers didn't win, the Vikings have won five. This is the premier NFC North matchup of the 2000s and even late 90s, and it should be treated as such. We are going to be treated to a late afternoon window on Fox. Without Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, makes me mad. It is going to CBS game. CBS. Unfortunately, it's on CBS with Tony Romo. And we're going to be treated to another classic, I think. It's going to be a very good game, and I think I'll save my prediction for the end. Bill, do you have something to add? 
Yes, I actually went to the Death Hub final win against the Vipers as a Packer. A 35 to nothing setup, November of 2007. Uh, Vikings legend Darren Sharper had an interception late in the game, maybe two, I don't remember. Uh, I believe Rubel Martin had a touchdown pass as well. Uh, that was a very fun game. Yeah, that's a tough look. But then, we've moved on to bigger and better things. And those are the matchup stats versus the Minnesota Vikings. John Randall. <laughs> but why do you even ponder passing? I mean, you can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. All right. Jeremy, thank you for the matchup stats. And also, Bill, thank you for the shout-out to um, notable career Viking Darren Sharper. Uh, all right. Let's finish up with our things we're most scared of, what are we most afraid of, and then we'll do our actual predictions. Bill, what are you most afraid of? Um, so because of the time that this game will take place on Sunday, the Viper, the Packers will have a very good idea of what they have in store for them um, as regards to you know how... Controlling their own destiny. Yes, thank you for putting that. Um, I am afraid of the magic finally falling apart, and they because the Packers are basically all the all the games that they've needed to go their way have gone their way for like basically the last two game days now, uh, and I'm 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 worried that the magic might run out before the game even starts. Uh, yeah, Jer uh, Jeremy, what should the Packers be most afraid of? Uh Justin Jefferson, Mike. Luke? Um, I'm just going to say from my perspective what I'm most afraid of, Perfect. and it's, it's the refs. It's 100% the refs. <laughs> the Sheboygan crew. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so that is actually the second part of what I'm most afraid of. The first thing I'm most afraid of is a short football game. Uh, we need it to get dark so that Kirk Cousins feels like he's playing a primetime game and we get primetime Kirk towards the end of the game. Uh, but the second thing is that uh, I, I was informed this morning, I don't know if this is true or not, my mother is not a weather person, but she did say that they're expecting snow and so if the Sheboygan crew gets stuck at the airport and we actually have to have real referees, we might be in trouble. I like that. They'll <laughs> say it. Uh, Mike, you brought up that when it gets to nighttime, like prime time, and Kirk gets all confused. Does Kirk have sundowning? Is he just an old person <laughs> with dementia who, when, when the sun goes down, he kind of just, the brain also leaves with it and just doesn't really know what's going on anymore? Does someone have a name? We're out of names, I think. Uh, you know, let's throw out a modder shot. Oh, good. God, I'm so glad you're here, Luke. Okay. Blair Walsh from 27 yards left hash. Snap good, spot down. Walsh's kick is up, and it is no good. He missed it. Are you kidding me? The season can't end like that. He missed it left. And the Seattle Seahawks are off to Charlotte. Blair Walsh missed a 27-yard field goal, and the Minnesota Vikings are going to lose 10-9. Now sometimes you just rather be lucky than good. And for the and for the Seattle Seahawks, they were lucky today. 
Uh, all right, let's finish up here with our predictions. I want to actually leave uh, Luke with the last prediction. So, Jeremy, what is your prediction for the game this Sunday? Again, 325 God's time zone, New Year's Day, in Lambeau Field with the Sheboygan crew ready to go. Jeremy, score prediction. I predict a back-and-forth, entertaining really fun classic Vikings Packers NFC North battle I see Justin Jefferson doing the usual maybe seven plus catches over 100 yards at least one score uh Jair Alexander probably gets his hands on one or two of them but doesn't actually come down with it a couple deflections here uh back and forth I like a good 31 to 17 Vikings win (laughs) a little bit bigger bigger victory than it looks like it's going to be very close but then just like the playoff game a nice dagger touchdown because i think the packers are not very good believe it or not when they play an offense that might actually be good for four quarters and not just two quarters like against tua they are gonna break that men don't break is going to break and i think the vikings win this knock the packers out of the playoffs done for go vikings bill well, uh, the game takes place um, the first of the year, so I predict that my yearly deposit to the Chibagian crew will have cleared by that point. Um, <laughs> so hopefully that is good for us. Um, no, I think this is going to be a continuation of the, uh, you know, basically um, the Miami game was the start of the class for the Packers. Uh, it was the start of the Joe Barry match class. I think that will continue this week. Um, you will see some timely interceptions, uh, some good tackling, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. I think he's still going to have a monster game no matter what. Um, I think they maybe finally limit him to maybe like under 200 yards receiving, which I would I would quantify as probably a win. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, take him where you can get him. Um, I think I, I really do hope that, uh, that Keyshawn Nixon and Watson can play because I think those are both really big X factors. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, obviously, for just the short field that he seems to give the Packers every time he gets the ball. And then um, I do want uh, Christian Watson to get a little bit of a revenge. And also, he's just so... He just really changes our offense. Um, With all that being said, I think this game is going to be close. It is at home. Packers are favored by three. And I'm going to get the thing... A late Christmas present. I'm going to get a Mason Crosby game-winning field goal. And Paul Allen throws himself out of the press booth. <laughs> after the the uprights. Uh, Packers 30. Vikings 27. All right. Um, why do they call it the X Factor? We'll think about that and we'll give you the answer next time. Um, so, I... <laughs> The, 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 the problem here is that the Packers are going to need to win in convincing fashion because the Vikings don't lose one-score games. So it cannot be a one-score game. As you know, uh, I will always predict the Packers in the 30s. So I have Packers 34, Vikings 20. Green Bay gets a touchdown late to go up by 14 because otherwise they would lose the game because the Vikings don't lose one-score games. Luke, what is your prediction? Now, I just want to start by saying it's been a real honor to be on the PPP. Been a longtime fan. Um, <laughs> well, my my main interaction of this podcast is being I I'd say the number one troll account. Yes, to, uh, to the and it's always good. Account. Yes, and I am saving up all the Justin Jefferson gifts for Sunday on Twitter. Uh, my official prediction is Justin Jefferson has 13 catches, 236 yards, and two touchdowns. 
Jair Alexander will be crying in the locker room afterwards. And despite that performance, this is a three-point game either way. I guarantee this game ends with a uh, <laughs> game-winning field goal by either Missing Crosby or Greg the Leg Joseph. I think the, the Vikings save my Christmas gift for a week. Start 2023 with a banger. Vikings 31, Packers 28. And that is it. That is the Packers pregame podcast. Luke, thank you for joining us today. It was an honor, sir. Next week, we will be having a conversation about what the X Factor actually means. Bill, send us out. Go, Pat. Go.